All right. Welcome. Welcome back. We are so glad that you have decided to join us again here at the Biblos Network. We trust that God is keeping you and sustaining you and helping you where you are. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. We're excited about the things of God. We trust that you are as well. And this week has been a great week here in Durham, North Carolina, both Biblos and Biblos Spanish are, are broadcasting and reaching out and touching people's lives. We're excited about it. We are right smack in the middle of East Coast Conference. We have enjoyed the ministry of Brother Gary Don Robinson, Brother Kelly Patrick, Bishop Godair, and Brother Caleb Adams, and um, Brother Daniel McKillop. Brother Julio May and Brother Ari Prado are yet to come. So it is a great time here. I hope this finds you blessed and highly favored. I have a great honor and privilege of having here with us at Biblos a dear friend, Pastor Douglas Walker from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, he's here with us. Welcome. Welcome to Biblos. I'm very privileged to be here. Yeah. I am a huge admirer from a distance. A long distance. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are headed out west way way west northwest um right up i mean is it on the way to alaska if you're going to drive from the states would you go anywhere near calgary no no you would we're like just think of fly to denver and we're an hour north of denver flight so yeah. you would just go to denver and go straight north straight north so denver yeah why did i think it was by seattle no that's that's victoria and yeah british columbia that's right that's right we're one province over Alberta, the Texas of Canada. But the Walker pastor is a great church. Um, Bishop Johnny King has pastored there for many years. He has been there for two, almost two years next almost week. Two years. Next week. Mm -hmm. Well, he's doing a great job. And those of you that know him, love him, enjoy, you've enjoyed his ministry. He's preaching all over the nation and around the world. And um, I'm honored that, that you can be here with us. It's exciting what's happening in Calgary. Yes, sir. You guys are doing big things. Yep. We're having a great time. And uh, one of the reasons that I have to dodge out, which I apologize, I got to run home. I have a Bible study that we started on Thursday nights and it's growing. They're bringing guests and visitors every Thursday night. We're baptizing people. And I have three that I need to get home to do that with tomorrow. See, there's not enough people doing that. People, they become, they become conference junkies. Yeah. They're just hopping to conference to conference yep. and they're hollering and hooping and backpatting and politicking. Yep. But they should be getting home yep. and winning the lost and loving people and yep. building people. Starting a street church. Um, the homeless people there, very hungry, very needy. Wow. But don't want anything to do. They're just humiliated to be around people that are mm. polished up. So they're never going to come to church in Calgary. Yeah. But yet, if we're on the streets, they come to us. I love so that. So we're in the process of starting that, and we're going to start having street church every week in downtown Calgary. I spent some time downtown along the river, mm -hmm. and you know we, we would rent one of those condos there in one of those high-rise yep. buildings. So three blocks from where you stayed. Yeah, that's the deal. I yep. would go down. I would walk down to this little restaurant. I would walk by this place where I would see guys that um, were obviously homeless and yep. 
Yeah, right down there. The DI Center is right right near there. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of all congregate right from Phil and Sebastian's coffee shop. Yeah, I would be going to Phil yeah. and Sebastian's. Yeah. yeah. They have this thing called Sharshuka or Shamshuka or it's good. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Calgary has great food. It has amazing food. Yeah. Calgary, I've heard it said that Calgary is the Houston of Canada. Is it was that right? It's our Houston is our sister city. Uh, because of oil and gas oil and gas and when you hear the term socialism in canada what that primarily means is redistribution of wealth now that may not be on a personal level that's not where the main uh, pressure is but they redistribute the wealth of alberta from the oil and gas there into the rest of the provinces and alberta pays for a lot of the the programs in canada wow i did not know that yeah very blessed, very, very wealthy. You know, uh, Calgary's a world-class city, as you know, and and the oil and gas is there. So there's you know five flights a day out yeah. direct to Houston. Isn't so that's, that's our sister city. Well, it's beautiful. It's diverse. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many Asians and uh, uh, Middle Eastern, yep. Middle Eastern yep. people. I love it. That diversity, yeah. those languages. In Truth Church. Um, they counted uh, the last count that they did. There's 31 nationalities represented in that church. My goodness. Um, uh, Caucasian is a minority. We at this point have about, you know, probably less than half. That's amazing. Is Caucasian. I love it. So we're a minority at that yeah. point. Yeah. Well, it's a great church, great leadership. You guys are doing a great job. You've experienced great growth. Yes, sir. Since you've been there. Yep. Just good revival and people coming in and excitement. Yep. Huh. Yep. We started, um, we not, I mean, we didn't actually, they've always done Spanish ministry. We brought it into the sanctuary. We brought it in and made it, you know, a full blown service and going at it. Brother Glendo just was there preaching for us. Mm -hmm. So he he loved it. Yeah. He was so excited. Um, That's how it's supposed to be. So, you have that revelation that we're reaching into the world. We're, we're expanding. There's an expansionist dynamic. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I was reading the scripture the other day, and I know time's limited. You have an early flight out. But I was reading Isaiah 55, and this is what it's one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, verses 9 and 10, for those of you that are following it, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts for as the as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it and this is one of the most powerful chapters to me I preached a message from this years ago inspired me um, because the word is supposed to be like rain, snow, precipitation. Life is supposed to spring out of it. And um, we are both life-oriented preachers. We are not, we're conservative. We're conservative right. preachers, but we are not killers. We're not no. angry. We're not, we don't have axes to, axes to grind. We don't beat people up. No. This is not meant to kill. It's meant to live. Yeah. Now that's how you pastor. Yep. And and you you let the cross be the predominant 
power and impetus behind the changes, not just the rule or the regulation of it, and let the word do the heavy lifting. Yeah. And the Bible says that the grass will grow even at the scent of that water. That's good. And, and saints want to grow. Souls want to grow. There is a God-given, um, he put it in them to want that. Yeah. And when they get near that, growth happens, even at the scent of water. So the way that practically breaks down is you're talking about living a godly life. You're talking about preaching the word of God, breaking open the word of God as it's designed. Mm-hmm. It's the most profound thing. There's no limit to the depth of the word of God. No. Then when you apply the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in an anointed service, those elements are going to, it's, it's an imperfect analogy, but it's going to green everything up. Yep. It just life is just going to start breaking out and it gets on everybody. It, it gets on the young people, it gets on young adults, it gets on the elders, and they in turn turn around and they start doing it. And it's just this culture of life and power. Yep. Well, what got me going on that, I read an article, and I wanted to get your perspective on this. Um, if I say the Sahara Desert or the Sudan, it is usually people will conjure up images of uh, sand dunes, Deadness, nothing can grow there. I read um, not long ago that the last time it rained in the driest portion of the Sudan was 1998. It has not received a drop of rain in 19, since 1998. Unbelievable. And in most places, it's less than half an inch a year. So it's just dead. And you can't live without water. And so metaphorically, you can't live without the word. Okay. So they, they've tried these uh, reforestation dynamics and this you know, reclamation programs. It's hard because it's very hard to overcome that hostile environment. But it immediately got me thinking about people, Christians. Like there are Christians who are so dead and so dry and so hostile, so for, uh, they're forbidding. They forbid any spiritual input in their life of any kind. Well, as I continued reading, what fascinated me is there is a theory out there, and there are some historians that say they can prove it. I haven't cited, cited the sources, but it's, it's very intriguing to me that that desert wasn't always there. And if I make that analogous to a human, usually that kind of hostility is not always there. Something happens that creates the hostility, that creates that environment. Yeah. And in the case of the Sahara and the Sudan, back in the Punic Wars, when uh, the Carthaginian Wars and, and the Romish Wars, you're talking 300 years before Jesus was born. Carthage and Rome are the two world powers. Actually, Carthage was more powerful than Rome. They were wealthier. They were uh, a cultural center. They were the northern tip of Africa, the northeast tip. Uh, was it Tunisia? Mm-hmm. Where Carth- ancient Carthage was. was. Um, Rome was this aggressive war state that was coming up, but they were still just kind of a rambunctious teenager. Carthage could have easily dealt with them, but they didn't. They weren't a war people. They were an education people. Well, Rome grew stronger. They grew stronger. They attacked. Carthage rebuffed them, and they went through three or four wars. They call them the Punic Wars, and in that time, Rome grew more and more powerful until finally Carthage said, hey, these people are for real. They're, they're going like, to kill us, so they 
gear up a Carthaginian war machine. And they literally cut down millions of acres between the two. Carthage at first to fight Rome. And Rome, when it occupied Carthage, did it too. So they cut down these unbelievably vast swaths of rainforest. That used to be rainforest. It was lush. It was verdant. It was green. Which gets into the you know, the, the photosynthesis, the evaporation cycle, which creates clouds, which creates rainfall. And there's a symbiotic effect between earth and heaven. Very metaphoric of how we right. praise God and live right. for God. But when you cut down the trees and you cut down the atmosphere and you leave nothing but a scorched earth, nothing can live there. And that's what got me thinking was that's exactly how people's lives are. They have been so traumatized, so devastated. They have been cut down by, by abuse, yeah. by hypocrisy, by... Uh, secularism by you know whatever ideologies today that are just so toxic yeah and you have these vast spiritual deserts in people's hearts and it, it just got me going on man people need the word yeah and and the Carthaginians did that almost everywhere where they went so if you go like to Sicily where the great sea battles mm-hmm. were be, uh, on the one end of Sicily they have a huge sea battle that the Carthaginians and the Romans fight and the Carthaginians take that for a moment and they and they just demoralize and, and defoliate the whole you know area yeah. and region it's just they were completely consumers and didn't think about what they were actually consuming wow and you see that almost it in, in any culture of abuse Um, It is just a scorched earth policy and that can be in humans as well. It it can be in the soul of, and you look like, especially if you, if you read and think about um, how different ones have done that, not with just trees and rainforests, but how they've done it with peoples. Mm -hmm. Okay. So think about what Karl Marx, who in Benjamin Weicker's book, it's, it's like, he writes 10 books that have messed up the world. Yeah. And, and he uses the title of the book is actually 10 books that screwed up the world. And one of them is Karl Marx's book. And he, he asked this question. Is it he, Das Kapital? Uh, yes. Yeah. And that's one of the books. And he says, yet it's baffling to us that academics will climb up on top of a pile of a hundred million corpses mm. to get a better look at this man's wow. theory, right? Wow, wow. So th- you talk about just demoralizing people, right? And look at what Russia was in, in Stalin's and, and before Stalin, Lenin, yeah. right? And there's another book um, by a man named Smith, and he wrote about former peoples. And it was how they would go in and just 10 million people who were the structure. So yeah, they were against the the nobility and they were against the aristocracy. And so granted, we can have a long discussion about who needs to go and what reforms need to be made. But when they totally obliterated everything, they had to realize that most of the peasant class wasn't competent enough to run the cities, the waterworks. Wow. The, and so now they've removed. Falls apart. Yeah, it, it's just crumbling because there's nothing to attach to. Hmm. So then they have to go find some of them in the, in the prisons, bring them back out and say, you're the only one that knows how to translate or read these languages or whatever. So you have to still do this. 
because they realize that we're losing not just the tree, mm. we're losing the, the little ecosystem yeah. around the whole it. ecosystem. Yeah. You're creating a desert. Okay, that's exactly what happened with the Assyrian occupation of Israel when it took Israel captive. They take the best, they take the brightest, they take the aristocracy mm-hmm. and the royalty, they take them captive. You know, you, you've been to the British Museum in London. Mm-hmm. You've seen the black obelisk of Shalmaneser yeah. with Jehu kneeling prostrate mm-hmm. before the Assyrian king. They leave the rabble, the uneducated, the, the peasant class. They take the powerful, the wealthy, the educated. They can't. It, it, it was a strategy to make sure they could never rise up. Yep. Just keep the fields, pay taxes, do what you're told. Don't question. Well, they wound up intermarrying with surrounding tribes and forming Samaritans. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of the most beautiful things when Jesus comes to the woman at the well and she's a Samaritan and she says, you know, you have no dealings with people like us. We're the remnants that are left over from that occupation. And, and he, she's at a well. Right. She's thirsty. They need water. People need water. The kingdom yeah. has the resources to re- birth all of this yeah well when you look at it in that context abusive ministry abusive preachers toxic political schemes yeah socialism yeah it creates an outcome but you can study the 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 aberrant outcomes to the degree that yes they're wrong certain people will respond wrong to that but you have to ask if leadership would have treated them right mm. and not just scorch earth policy towards people's souls and lives and conscience, what, what would they be? So take, for instance, Genesis. I think about this a lot. So Tamar's wrong. Let's, mm-hmm. let's not argue that, yep. right? She's out there, but she's trying to get something in a wilderness experience, Right. And, and she's living in this circumstance where how do I get what is rightfully mine? She has to play a harlot and he says, I'll burn you, you know, and she says with whose, you know, signet and staff this is. And he goes to that. You have to ask the question, what would have Tamar been had leadership in her life treated mm. her equitably? Mm. 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 But when leadership just feels like I can just consume this, it's my way or the highway or it's an autocratic or dictatorial regime, you leave people no recourse but to gain what is theirs by hook and crook. Yeah, subterfuge, whatever. Right. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta do what you gotta do. So, and yes, you can point at it and say, it's a wilderness, it's a desert, it's a you know Sahara wilderness. But you have to ask the question, which is what you're probing at, why is it? Why, what happened? What caused this? Yes. And so a lot of times we're obsessed with the effect and we're just dealing with the ramifications of the outcome, Mm. but we don't look at why is it that way? Yeah. So Jesus comes along and says, okay, I'm the new Moses. I'm the new Joshua. I'm going to conquer the land. And you can't get away from the wilderness motif that's in Matthew, that's in John. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere where Israel failed the new Israel, yeah. the new son of God, because he calls Israel a son, yeah. a child. You go to, I think it's Hosea mm-hmm. chapter 11. Out and, of Egypt. Yeah. yeah. And, and But this new son, 
says everywhere where the first one rebelled, I'm going to do it right, yep. and we're going to turn this into a well-watered plain again. You ever read where Jesus is dealing with the multitude, and the Bible says he set them down on green grass? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm sure he just found green patches of grass, but I like, to, I like the image of when he got them all together, he was so powerful that green grass just started growing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you think about how demoralized them people were. Yeah. 400 years of silence. The church was a money-making machine for them. The, the tax collectors, the money changers, and Jesus comes along. No wonder Simeon and Anna kind of went crazy there in the beginning. The hope of Israel. When they saw this, yeah. this, this is about ready to change. Yeah. This is living water yeah. in this de- desert barren place. Yep. The living word. Right? And so they see him and they just explode in spontaneous joy. Right? Because they're seeing this is what can change the wilderness. And then, of course, Satan comes along and he always wants to offer you, uh, I'm probably, you know, jumping into a different deal, but he always wants to offer you. We'll jump in. He always wants to offer you restoration as he curated it for you. That's good. So So he becomes the arbiter of. Yeah. So think think about Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11. Not one thing Satan offered was wrong. Mm-hmm. nothing wrong right because you go to john 6 and there's nothing wrong with him turning uh stones into bread and he even said i'll make these rocks do things and cry out yep so him being the bread he's the bread of life no mm-hmm. problem there right but satan said let me be the curator of your promise that's good okay so then think about the angels no problem go read psalms there's no problem with him you know being the one that is born up by angels in fact Matthew 4 and 11, as soon as the devil departs from him, the angels come. So angels aren't yeah, a problem. Right. Right? Kingdoms, that's not a problem. He, he had that promised. Read Revelation yeah. eleven fifteen. This is the time when the kingdoms of our Lord, have you know, the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Yes. So nothing Satan offered was wrong. It was the method that was wrong. Mm. Let me curate this restoration for you. So like a proprietary position that this is going to come from him yeah yeah and jesus just said no because if i do cheap tricks and i make bread i feed myself but i don't feed the multitude Mm. i'm here to restore the wilderness that's good so jesus's whole thought was i'm here to give you back life so think think about and and it's it's not recommended to read the whole book but dostoevsky's book Mm-hmm. The idiot. I think I like it because the title is really <laughs> the title really resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. But Dostoevsky writes this book, The Idiot, and it's worth reading the first three paragraphs of the book because it opens up an, an unnamed man on a unnamed train on. It's a gray, dreary day. Everyone is just. There's no soul. There's no life. It's just humanity is all mundane and you're just you're a lost face in a crowd you have no and it, it's defoliation yeah of significance hope dies right it's the most depressing three paragraphs in history of literature wow but if you read them three paragraphs and you superimpose that over jesus giving that samaritan woman back her identity mm-hmm. giving back humanizing her situation right yeah that's what's so powerful 
What is your name? How many times did he mm -hmm. ask people, what's your name? You know, he humanizes them. Yeah. He gives them their identity. He be, he focuses on them. Yeah. Not just a, a statistic. Right. Well, as apostolics, we deal with this and we've got a choice. We can be the kind of church that leaves people desolate mm -hmm. and a hurt. Yeah. And this is just what it is and suck it up, deal with it, get right or get out. Yeah. But Jesus didn't do that. No. Jesus, Jesus is dealing with the harlots and the publicans. That's got to sink in. Okay. When was the last time we had close conversation and perhaps uh, broke bread with the harlots and the publicans? Right. If, uh, the prostitutes of the world. Right. To reach down to people condescending to men of low estate, the scripture says, and loving them and ministering to them and raising them up. The Mary Magdalene's out of whom he cast seven devils. This is, it's the desert land. You know, whenever, whenever the scripture talks about the sinful condition, it's desert. Yeah. You know, the, the, the cormorant and the bittern yeah. and the zephyr. The, the, the creeping things live there and it's, it's a sinful life. It's a life that's devoid of foliation, leaves. And mm -hmm. whereas Psalms one, blessed is the man, you know, he shall be like a tree planted right. by the rivers of water. It's this picture of life and, and, um, and greenness. So everywhere there's water, there's this spiritual connotation. Yep. Um, we're baptized into water in Jesus name. We go through the water to be delivered Here's a trip, okay, back on, you know, a, a natural example. I was reading uh, today where Israel has re reversed the desertification of their region. And it showed this picture of this beautiful green field right next to this arid, cracked yeah. land. And what they've done is they have worked their desalination plants. They have pumped it in these massive pipes throughout Israel. They're sending it through these tributaries and these, um, you know, aqueducts into their irrigation systems. And they are turning everything green. Now, Libya, Jordan, all the nations around them are dying. They have not invested in desalinization. They're, they're literally pulling from the Mediterranean and turning it into <laughs> fresh water. Fresh water. Yeah. And everything's turning green. And this is Israel. And so Egypt, all the surrounding nations are dying. They're, they're, they're dying of, of thirst, literally. And his, here's Israel managing the resources and is this green oasis. Now, when I saw that in my spirit, I went, my cup runneth over. Yes. Right. You know, here we are and people are looking at this hour like this is the worst hour. Look, my goodness, we're living in this terrible day. No. What a chance for him to prepare a table in right. the presence of our enemies. When I saw that green area in front of all that aridness, I thought thou preparest a table before me yes. in the presence of mine enemies and my cup runneth over. Man, I almost started speaking in tongues <laughs> when I saw that. <laughs> That's right. That's what we're supposed to do. That's exactly right. And everywhere we walk, we're supposed to bring that life. 
you know, even, even in the way that we preach, that's why like in the pulpit, um, we, we, and, and however you want to edit this, this is your show. So (laughs) we, we, people have talked in the past about an open pulpit in the concept of say what you feel. There's a danger in that Mm -hmm. because you can create a lot of pain by spouting off. Yeah. Right. And so as, as men that have been given platforms that God has opened doors for us, I have to be careful that at the end of every sermon, it's Jesus. That's the hero and not me. Yeah. Right. And so by, by counting, you know, in my mind, how many, how many times am I saying I, me, my, Mm -hmm. is this, am I the hero of this sermon? Mm -hmm. Or because when them people hear that, that may be the only message they ever hear. Yeah. It, it may be the only thing they ever walk away with and say that's a representation of Pentecost, right? Yeah. I had a man in church the other day. He was sitting there and he said uh, at the close of the service, he said, you know, I've been reading a lot on, I Google Pentecost. And I said, well, that, that, could, be, that could be a challenge, you know. Oh, how'd that go for he you? He <laughs> said, I come today to see if you were everything that I read about and you're not. Oh, wow. Based on that one thing. So the, the difference is, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was just say what you want, man, just speak all that's on your heart. Well, our people are getting the Holy Ghost from college, you know, they're the new converts or whatever. They're getting the Holy Ghost. The next day they're Googling what they got. Yeah. And they're running into what? Just a deluge of bitter waters. Yeah. They're, they're in Mara, right? Just the bitter water. Of, of bitter backsliders that are anti this and anti that. And they're comparing this. This is what my preacher said. And this is what I'm reading on the internet. Yeah. One false step from me. Mm. And I have now validated yeah. the, the negativity they're, they're yep. seeing on different, you know, venues. So being careful to, to fix what's and to repair water that has gone bitter just like what you're talking about yeah you know it desalination desalination. and and you know repairing and undoing what people have done in the scorched earth policies that's it okay so to that end i read it was this was a pretty cool read yeah i think it might have been sudan it might be might have been sudan i was just you know studying the sudan sahara there's a scientist that went there that is working to uh, turn it back into rainforest. So there's, there are areas where there is growth, but it's just kind of scrub growth. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to study in it, and they are trees that can't make it because their, their branches are too spread out. They're not pruned. And it's, a, it's a, an unwise use of resources. So he began to teach native farmers to go in with just you know a sharp knife and a hatchet and to prune away all the excess branches down to just two branches so that all the energies of the root system could be applied into upward growth to create canopies, to create shade and a symbiosis. And then to take what they just cut off and to spread it as a mulch, a living mulch around it. So, so literally they're cutting away these big bushes in, and putting these narrow thin 
one or two little trunks to to harness the energy of the of the tree well it's exponentially changed everything so now they put the mulch down it traps water moisture can be retained it's not evaporating immediately it's 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 using resources it's the husbandman it's right. what adam was called to do in the garden to keep the garden yeah and and in that same vein of thought if you i don't know if this is true now but i know it was true at one time if you were to view an aerial view of Haiti versus the Dominican Republic, <clears throat> you would see on one side, on the Haitian side, same island, different administrations. On one side, the, the poor in the Haitian community would come in and chop down trees and take them back to build their homes. In the Dominican, they would do it too, but they were forced, if they cut down one, they had to plant three. They had a reforestation program. Just that one thing. So, after a while, there's trees back. Whereas on the other, it's a mudslide. So the mudslides that destroyed Haiti yeah. were a direct result from there being no trees, no grass to anchor down the, the land, literally. And when the rains right. came, they just turned into a slick mudslide. All of that has to do with a lack of wisdom, a lack of husbandry, yeah. a lack of, of heaven being in connection with earth. On earth as it is in heaven, that is what we are called to do in homes and families and that natural illustration really highlights oh, yeah. what we're supposed to be doing in people's lives. Yeah, and, and like in the beginning of this, which you're so easy to talk to, and we can just bounce back and forth from each other, but the, when you mentioned how, how we pastor word preachers that are pastoring with the desire to let the word be the driving impetus behind what we're doing, when you think about author, authoritarianism mm -hmm. and you keep mentioning the word symbiosis and a symbiotic relationship, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, when Paul says, doth not nature itself teach you, mm -hmm. nature teaches us a lot more than just about hair and covering, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So you can look at natural things and, and like, like in this instance that you're bringing up, the obligation and the responsibility to manage the resources. Mm -hmm. And if, if what we are starts turning into a bitter wilderness, you have to up the control to try to keep people in a place that's dying. Oh, that's and, so good. And then the cycle just gets so good. tougher and tougher. Yeah. Right? Where it's, okay, so you scuba dive, I scuba dive. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I tip um, dive masters when I'm scuba diving extra for <laughs> is obviously I'm obsessed with cuttlefish. They're just the most beautiful thing you'll ever see. They look like a Las Vegas billboard underwater. They're wow. electric. You can go look them up. They're unbelievable. But the other thing I'm obsessed with is the clownfish and the anemone. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've seen this, mm -hmm. right? So the clown... The symbiosis. Yeah. The clownfish lives in this, in this anemone, and as long as that anemone is healthy, okay that clownfish will live, die, and die in the defense of that anemone. Mm. But if that anemone gets diseased and starts dropping its, its protective films and starts all of a sudden becoming what is considered an underwater wilderness when the coral reefs begin to die, then clownfish will, will have to go. Wow. And they'll go somewhere else. But as long as that anemone host is healthy... That thing could leave at any time, wow. and it never will. That's that's that is brilliant. 
Never. It'll never leave. It'll never jump churches. It'll never go to a different an enemy. Yeah. As long as there is a healthy host environment, that thing will live, die, and die in the defense of wow. where it is. Wow. But when that an enemy begins to become diseased or begins to die, and, and if it dies off, then that thing begins to to feel like it has to. So when you get into the mindset of what we're supposed to be, by letting the word of God do the culture making mm -hmm. and not just us just trying to be cool or trying to be cutting edge or relevant or whatever, yep. but letting a word culture produce a Pentecostal culture. Mm. People want to be a part of something that's alive and growing. There's so much to unpack with that. First of all, Jesus is the root out of the dry ground. Yes. That is, a, that is speaking directly to the wilderness. It is a rebuke to the wilderness. Mm -hmm. It is a return to the Edenic original plan. It's redemption. Jesus is basically saying, I am, the, I am the impossibility. The virgin birth is the greatest root out of a dry ground. I mean, there's no way this can happen, but here it comes. And here's this gonna be this, this growth out of this parched, dead thing. So it's such a beautiful analogy there. But to your point about the symbiosis, you know, I've always, and it's a great, it's a great way of describing it, because that's what we're, we're supposed to create that culture. If you create that culture, people don't want to leave. They are drawn. People are thronging Jesus to the point where he has to make his way through them. He has to disappear from their midst because they're literally, he has to get in a boat and push off because they're, they're going to overwhelm him. Right. Um, and that's how our churches should be. They should be beating the door down to get into the love of God. Right. So my mother is a great example of this. Um, we fight, or we used to fight, but now we just politely jostle for position. <laughs> but mom would always make her chicken gumbo at the holidays and she would make her grape leaves. And these dumplings, we called them slicks. It's the weirdest Thanksgivings you've ever seen. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason. It's It's... Persian and Swedish and redneck. It was a southern, you know, gumbo. Um, but it's so wonderful. We can smell it from a mile away. And we come steaming home, ready. And we love it. And the atmosphere is love and, and fun. And, and I always learn from that, that love. And that's not a message of weakness. That's not a message of compromise. No. It is the most powerful, transformative force in the world. It is the greenness. It is the lushness. It is the rain. It is his word in action. And, um, man, you can't beat them off with a stick when you do no. that. And they don't want to leave. They, they don't want, you know, they, even if they don't understand everything, they plug in. They're trying to stay. They're trying to stick it out. And that's what Paul said. The love of Christ constraineth us. Mm, mm. Charity is the bond of perfectness. Yeah. Yeah. So. so steel, iron, fetters, force, coercion, extortion. Yep. All of those are weak bonds. All of them.
the, the tyrant will keep control as long as he's in the room. But Paul said, you know, you observe the things I've told you in my presence, now much more in my absence. Mm-hmm. Follow Christ. Yeah. And love would do that. Yeah. If I'm bound by love, if I'm, if I'm a prisoner of hope. Right. Right. And think about even when, sorry, when you think about holiness um, and, and you think about standards and godliness, and I preach this a lot at home, and, and, and all that is applicable and needful, but the Bible says, as many as has this hope purifieth himself. Mm. Hope is one of Busted. the greatest impetuses to clean living. People that have no hope, they make bad decisions, bad wow, life choices, wow, bad. Wow. But if they have hope, they purify themselves. They purify Why? Themselves. Because I hope that he's coming. I hope mm. that I can be what I'm supposed to be. I hope that I can live up to my potential. If they have hope, they're more apt to purify themselves. The take, earnest expectation. Yeah. Take away their hope, and then you kind of get this, well, I'm doomed if I do and doomed if I don't. Yeah, what's it matter? I'm, right. I'm, I'm no good anyway. Right. Wow. What a statement. So. Well, to every person out there listening to this that has ever been abused in a spiritually abusive environment, if you've ever had a scorched earth experience, if you've ever run across something toxic or something abusive that has hurt you and has chopped down your hope, your love, your, your faith, there's hope. Jesus' word, it goes forth. It's like rain. It's like snow. It will not return again void but it will accomplish the thing that it's sent unto. So shall my word be that proceedeth forth out of my mouth. That is a beautiful promise. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time with me today. Thank you for having me. And Brother Hershen, I want to say just as your friend and as a peer of yours, I'm extremely proud of you and extremely thankful for you. And I celebrate everything that God is doing and has done in your life even this amplification of your voice, I'm just so just thankful that God's using you the way that he is and that we're friends. Well, thank you. The feeling's mutual. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you, man. Until next time. God bless you. God keep you. God cause his face to shine upon you. 